Good evening, wrestling fans, and welcome to Haggard Zept and Hershey Zelt High School Wrestling Weekly, hosted by the Double Eagle here at Cross Creek, and we are live from the Double Eagle Clubhouse Grill. Rex Brewer along with Dane Filling, and tonight our special guest, Blaine Culp from Clemens City High School, will be joining us. And uh, In the meantime, we have a uh, another normal regular guest that sits in with us from time to time, Coach Calvers here uh, in the meantime. But, Nothing uh, normal about Coach <laughs> So, Dane... Uh, Lots of things to talk about on the show tonight. Uh, maybe some recap of the big football game we watched on Friday night, and uh, uh, looking forward towards Saturday's big game, and uh, that's really exciting. Well, tonight or uh, this morning was the media night or a media morning uh, at uh, Lucas Oil, and uh, all twelve coaches were there. And uh, as Coach Culp walks in, and uh, Coach Mosier, uh, I heard got a haircut and uh, a new shirt and was all decked out, according to my sources that were down there, and got a good interview. So uh, He trimmed his beard last week already. Uh, look for a full preview in uh, Friday's Decatur Daily Democrat. But uh, tonight we'll talk a little Columbus City Wrestling and uh, recap uh, the history of the rivalry between Columbia City and Belmont. And uh, we'll go through some of the preseason rankings that have been released in the last week, along with talking about the very limited amount of results from the first week of real wrestling action. Uh, wrestling season is officially underway for those skeptics who said that there wasn't going to be any wrestling. Well, there is wrestling in the books. Somebody's going to have a varsity record at the very least. Uh, the 2020-21 season for Columbia City is already in the books. They've got one match in, so it counts as official. And uh, we'll take a look uh, back at uh, some great moments in Columbia City wrestling history. And then we'll take a look at the Northeast 8 Conference and what it holds for the coming year. And then we'll take a look at WZBD's schedule for the rest of the week and talk a little bit about the football game. Hey, Cross Creek Golf Club has the perfect Christmas present for the golfer in your life. A gift certificate and this Black Friday. Show up. Don't mess out. It's like $100 off your membership. If you haven't bought your membership yet, Black Friday, this Friday, they're going to be closed on Thanksgiving, but open 9 to 5 on Friday. Show up by your membership. The weather's still decent. Played golf today with the seniors, 45 and sunny out there, Rex. It was nice. So there's a lot of advantages out there right now for your membership and buy a gift certificate for the golfer in your life. Stricks on golf balls are now buy two, get one free. The golf course, as you know, is located right below us at US 224 West Indicator. AJ, I, I qualify for senior citizen discount, but uh, I still have to work for a living, so I don't get to play golf at noon. You should have saved more. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, Rex, our next show will be uh, again next week on Monday night at 7 p.m. at the Double Eagle here. November 30th is the date, and our special guest will be for the first time a, a current IHSAA official in Tony Drysdale, uh, not only uh, one of the zebras in our sport, but also a former wrestler of Coach Calvers. Tony Drysdale weighed about 190 pounds, and he wrestled in the 220 class. We had three wrestlers right there all together. One wrestled 185, one wrestled 95, one wrestled heavyweight. And uh, great kids, hard workers. He came within one match of going to semi-state. He lost in the go-to-semi-state round at the regional. Good kid, good wrestler, and he just had twins. Fertile bird. So, uh, as always, like to invite people to come out here to the show and uh, be live with us. Uh, tonight, Dane and I uh, had the uh, 
special. The six ninety nine special was chili mac with cheese on it and a breadstick for six ninety nine, and it was wonderful. I I actually paced myself, saved some for my lunch tomorrow. Though. That breadstick was golden, Rex. Yeah, it was. So uh, as we look forward to the uh, week ahead, we'll take a little bit of a look back at the uh, the first real week. I know uh, Coach Culp wrestled on Wednesday last week. Is that correct? So uh, several teams getting uh, action last week during the week, and there were a couple of uh, dual meet tournaments on Saturday. Certainly the individual tournament is uh, going to be rare at the start of the season as a lot of schools decide to uh, postpone those meets. I know that, for example, Belmont was supposed to get on the mat on Saturday. Traditionally, they start at the Jay County JV invite, and the Jay County administration said, you're only allowed to host one other team. So they took stock of the six or eight teams that were scheduled for that uh, event, and they took the team with the most JV wrestlers, and they said, that's the team we're going to keep. Everybody else gets to go home. If you want to host another team who is all supposed to come, you're welcome to, and uh, unfortunately for Belmont, that meant no JV wrestling um, this past weekend. I believe it was just Jay County and Carroll who wrestled their JV. Uh, Jay County did get underway against Hamilton Southeastern. We'll discuss that a little bit later in the program. Uh, they made the trip down to HSC. I talked to Coach Myers. He said their goal is to get as many matches as possible in this crazy season. And if that means that they end up wrestling uh, 18 dual meets, then uh, that's what that's what they're going to do. And uh, the Jay County program has not been scared to uh, do some travel, whether it's to Hamilton Southeastern or to Pendleton Heights, and uh, definitely uh, one of those programs who's out there looking to uh, always make their team better with their schedule. Dan, do we want to take a few minutes to talk about last Friday night's game, what a game it was? It was. <laughs> I know the three of it were joined by uh, Dave Nathan also tonight and uh you know it it was one of those games where we really didn't know much of what to expect from lafayette central catholic and originally we all thought that we were going to head down over there to to the game and it was going to be a long night and then all of a sudden we got word that it was going to be at south adams uh, and it, I don't know if that really made a difference, but it certainly didn't hurt for, for the Starfires. You know, Dave and I saw them play against Adam Central last year, and, and they they didn't really dominate Adam Central, so it was kind of hard to tell what kind of team they're going to have this year. They said that the team was not as good as they were uh, last year, and I know that last year's team was pretty big. This team was big and physical, but I don't know. I thought it was going to be a close game, but then uh, after it started out, it just it just turned into a slugfest, and uh, they just ran out of ammo about halfway through the second quarter. Well, Dave, you and I talked at the beginning of the broadcast <laughs> about John Harrell's prediction, and we both kind of <laughs> laughed at it and chuckled at it and said, well, you know, it was, what was it, 52? 52, 52 to 6 was the prediction on Harrell, and Cal Preps had 44-14. And we both kind of laughed, and we brought it up, and then we got to halftime, and I looked at Dave, and I said, you know, honestly, it's right on it's right on uh, on shot to to for that to be the final score. And it, it ended up pretty darn close. If, if South Adams would have played uh, perhaps their full team the entire game, they might not have given up that last touchdown. But, you know, uh, they, they would not have. And, and that, you know, the B team of, of uh, South Adams actually played them pretty tough and let a kid break off and gets like a 20-yard touchdown at the end. But, I mean, the game was over. I mean, by the third quarter, the game was over already. Did you see the prediction <coughs> that, that that Harold put out today? I have not had a chance to look yet. I believe it Because last time I looked, it hadn't – put up yet i believe it was covenant christian by four or five points 35 31 so i went to max preps and started looking around and i start i found some video of covenant christian i watched them play and it looked like a junior high team they do not look very good at all well they have a very small roster 
Yeah, they got a they got From a good running back. Coach Coach Moser said that they got a stud running back. I watched the rest of it. They have five kids on their roster over 200 pounds. Five yeah. kids. South Adams has that more than that guy from tackle to tackle. The quarterback has 38 touchdown passes, uh, <laughs> but he's listed at 6'3", 180, which, yeah. you know, isn't a very big frame. So, uh, you know, I think we'll learn a lot in that first quarter about you know, just how good they are. I looked at who they played. They played a bunch of small schools. They played Southside Homeschool. A lot of, a lot of travel. <laughs> There aren't a whole lot of 1A schools in Marion County, so they've, they've got to go out and travel to different places. So. They do not play the schedule that, that South Adams does. And, um, no, and it, it, for a time we thought South Adams' schedule might have been light this yeah. year just because they don't really have much choice, and that's the way it is with football. In most conferences, being seven- and eight-team conferences, in a nine-game regular season, you only get to choose one or two of your opponents, but, but you know, they I, definitely... I, I think South Adams, if South Adams can take a perennial powerhouse like uh, LCC and pound them until they just into submission, I, I don't think a small, real, true 1A school like Covenant Christian is going to stand a chance against them. Now, on the South Adams front, uh, I did double-check with Coach Gaskell. They will be postponing their first match with Heritage on December 3rd. So now their first scheduled action is going to be December 10th and 11th. There's 11th and 12th. I can't remember. They're going to start with the ACAC duels. So that'll be interesting for them to have to go through, yeah, 11th and 12th um, at Adams Central. No, at Jay County. So, Dave, a couple at Adam Central. one last comment here about what you think we're, our schedule is going to be. We talked a little bit about it. Um, what do you think it's going to be before we hand off? Coach Calvert's got an ad he needs to read. But what do you think we're going to do for Saturday? What are we looking at? Uh, what we're looking at, hopefully try to get some uh, good uh, interviews in, try to get a lengthy interview in with uh, Coach Mosier, try to do that this week. Um, working on a segment to basically meet all the star fires, introduce themselves, basically learn the makeup of the team and all the uh, coaches as well, just to give them uh, some uh, kudos and some cred over the year. So we're probably 10-15-ish maybe? About, yeah. Once we get everything situated, we'll figure all that out. So, All right, nephew. Thanks, for Dave, for joining us. We'll hand it back to Coach Calvert. He's got an advertisement he needs to read before we head off to our first commercial break as the weigh-ins are nearly over. Thanks, Rex. Hey, the Weber family here in Decatur, Brad, Mary, Blake, and, of course, Moose, the golden doodle with no tail. They're all proud to support high school athletics by helping to sponsor our one-of-a-kind wrestling coaches show. With the civic-minded backing of families like the Webbers and our many local business advertisers, we're able to be the only radio station in Indiana to dedicate a show strictly to the great sport of high school wrestling. Once again, a big thanks to the Brad Weber family and all of our many sponsors and a reminder that tomorrow night's broadcast will be the 40th anniversary of high school wrestling on the radio here in Decatur, Indiana. With that, the weigh-ins have ended, and we're going to send it back to the studio. Steve Rouse run the board for us for, for some commercials played at the studio. We'll be back with the first period and our special guest right after this. Independently owned and operated, Haggard Sefton Hershey and Zelt Funeral Home, located in the heart of downtown Decatur, has been serving the funeral needs of Adams County and the surrounding area for over 114 years. Whether it's at need, a prearrangement, or a monument sale, our small staff is here to provide comfort in your time of need and make our home feel like an extension of your home as we assist you in honoring the life of your loved one. Hi, it's Jesse from Heller Nursery and the Christmas season is here. We have fresh cut Christmas trees and greens for decorating. I make wreaths and grave blankets daily. Come to Heller's for your holiday decorations. Poinsettias are a great gift for the ones staying home this season. 
and we have several new varieties to choose from. Open seven days a week, Heller Nursery is located on 400 West in between 124 and 224, just west of Decatur. Follow the signs. See updates about Christmas on our Facebook page at Heller Nursery. At Complete Printing Service, you can count on Charlie Brune and the crew to take care of all your print needs. Everything from color copies, custom-made banners and signs, wedding invitations, business cards, magnetic and yard signs, and so much more. Complete Printing is located on South 2nd Street in Decatur. Our name says it all. Complete Printing Service. Call today at 724-3722. Complete Printing is also a Decatur Sculpture Tour sponsor. Welcome back to the Hager Sefton Hershey's Elf High School Wrestling Weekly, hosted by Double Eagle here at Cross Creek. And we are live once again from the Double Eagle Clubhouse Grill, Rex Berlong, Thane Filling. And for the first period now, we have started our special guest, Blaine Culp, has joined us. And uh, good evening, Coach Culp, and welcome to the Double Eagle Clubhouse Grill. Thank you for having me. And uh, for those of you who did not make it out tonight, the special was wonderful. Dane and I attest that each week, and uh, we lap up uh, the special each week just to test it so we can... Uh, brag to the people uh, how well the uh, food is uh, prepared here and uh, what a great evening we have each Monday night. And we're joined by one of our uh, original fans and one of our biggest fans and Coach Culp for the uh, podcast and the broadcast. How good is the signal in Columbia City? Do you uh, listen live? Yeah, if I'm on like uh, TuneIn Radio on my phone, it works great. Um, if I'm in my car, uh, it's a little bit tougher to be on 92.7. But. It, it's kind of funny. Uh, I've been to different places on broadcasts. Uh, I went up to Eastside. I don't remember if it was last year or three years ago. Um, and you get up there into DeKalb County, and it just cuts out. And then sometimes you're driving, and you go up and down the hills, and all of a sudden, boom, 92.7's back. So it is kind of funny how those how those waves work. I used to get that. I'd do, I'd do a dual meet during the week at a Wawa C, and I'm heading back. And I knew there was about a certain point on 30 I could pick it up, and i tune it in. And like you say, Dan, you go down through a dip and you lose and you come to the top of the hill and you get it back again. And, but by the time we got to uh, Columbia City, it was pretty solid. You listen to it most of the way. So this year, uh, when we're talking about, we're going to jump into preseason team rankings here. The first year that the uh, Coaches Association has decided to split uh, in football style from a 1A, 2A, 3A setup to taking that 3A class and splitting it in two. And it almost becomes a 3A and a 3B um, in the way that it's set up. Uh, Coach, which class are you technically in this year? Uh, I guess we're, we're at the bottom of the 3A. Okay, and do you remember how close you were to being competitive again? Because last year, obviously, you made the semifinals of the 2A Team State Tournament, lost to Belmont, but this year you were up in the larger 3A class, which a lot of schools that were in that class were championing and are really looking forward <coughs> to a really competitive set of duels, but you guys kind of... Yeah, we've got to work our way back up to the top on that one. You got, you got put in a bad spot because you yeah. would have been a very competitive 2A team this year, but 3A not quite yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're not quite there. But 2A, I mean, it would have been similar to last year, I think, you know, yeah. as far as we would have been battling with you guys and Garrett and, you know, the Wall of C's out there. So looking at the overall top 20, uh, I, I think uh, I obviously do the rankings for Indiana Matt, so just to be transparent. But I think the top four, you could argue anyway. It's modern-day Crown Point, Chesterton, Brownsburg. In this uh, COVID-infused season, uh, it really depends on which team has their full lineup as to who's going to be the best. From there, Warren Central, Cathedral, Perry, and then Hobart, Carmel, and Portage are all kind of in a a group together. Avon and Penn and Mishawaka 
along with Franklin, have all added quality guys in the last three or four months who have either moved from neighboring school districts, from out of the state. Um, we heard last night on Guerrilla Radio on Indiana Matt that somebody from Alabama has moved back to East Noble. It was kind of a wild. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure what somebody from Alabama, you know, whatever. It is what it is. But uh, definitely hard to keep track of all of these things. So as we look through the beginning of the season, as those lineups start to take shape, it'll really tell us a lot about those uh, overall rankings. In 3A then, Hobart is the number one team. Mishawak is second. Uh, I know that the Sinkovich boy that was at Culver Military is now back at Mishawaka, so that's an extra addition for them. Uh, Jimmy Tante is now at Franklin after um, uh, probably 10 years ago leaving Perry. Um, he was at Warren Central. He was originally at Southport, then Perry, then went to Warren Central. Um, and now, um, through for whatever reason, I know he posted at one point that there was some family land with his family, and they had an opportunity to move closer to his wife's family. And he basically said, this is something my wife's always wanted to do. It's a great opportunity for our family. No hard feelings to Warren Central. This is just something i got to do personally. And, you know, he goes... He goes from there and he makes the big move. But they are definitely a program now back on the rise. The very first or second year of the team state tournament, Franklin and Coach Hassman won the whole thing. They beat Modern Day in a great tournament at Westfield. So uh, the, the 3A tournament, whether you like the split of 4A and 3A, it's definitely going to be competitive. And who wouldn't give that guy a job? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, he's had success everywhere that is that he's gone so coach do you have any of those 3a teams on your schedule i know your schedule has gone back and forth the last couple years i don't think so i think we're mainly just our conference and then the area our area powerhouses except for you know except carol you uh, won't see uh, northridge on your schedule this year i would love to put them on there but just finding room yeah it may be one of those things too with covid you may find that you both end up with an opening and uh, they're not too far away obviously in our semi-state already been in talks with carol and homestead and snyder and you know, Northridge would probably be the next one that I try to get a hold of. And, you know, yeah. Snyder's one of those uh, SAC teams that started to bring back their, their program. I mean, they got really weak there for a while, but uh, they've had some quality kids, uh, a couple of lightweights the last couple of years that are really tough. And that, that uh, about 26-pounder last year that was, a, was a stud. Yeah, you know, they've been, they've been pretty fun to watch at the, at the regional term of the last two or three years. So they're coming along again, back to where they were. And then in the 2A tournament, uh, Belmont comes in, the defending champs, and now ranked number one. Uh, Oak Hill and Western were neck and neck last year. Uh, Western lost a little bit more, so Oak Hill comes in at number two. Garrett, who was very good last year, they come in at three. Wallace C four, and then Western five. Uh, New Prairie, Boonville, Mount Vernon, Jimtown, New Haven, all coming to Team State. Currently, still planned for the Coliseum in two uh, A, and then in one A, uh, a very interesting set of teams. Uh, I ended up putting Tell City ahead of North Posey. North Posey, the defending champs. Tell City has 12 guys back, um, a very strong team. Bluffton I have all the way at number three. They're going to be very solid. They only had one or two seniors last year. And uh, overall, they were a very good dual team last year, and they've, I think they've only gotten better. And then uh, Adam Central comes in at number five. And a team that you saw last week, Coach Culp, uh, Prairie Heights at six, Wabash, Manchester, Rensselaer and South Adams round out the right, the top ten. Prairie Heights didn't quite have their full uh, lineup against you. No, they had. I think uh, Coach Smith said he had seven or eight guys out. So uh, we had four, four or five. And so it was 
you know, I think it hurt him more because he didn't have anybody else to put in, you know, and I had some people to be able to put in. And well, did the kids wrestle well? I mean, were they still a little rusty in the season? Do, yeah, Did they wrestle at the level you wanted them to? Uh, not quite. And I, I think Coach Smith would say the same thing. Um, you could tell his first match, you know, and honestly, that's why I picked it up. You know, I want to come in, come into your guys' house and, and be able to wrestle a little better. And, yeah, you don't want that to be your first match. Exactly. Yeah, definitely an advantage there to have that uh, under your belt. Uh, in uh, last week's action, there weren't many uh, ranked teams in action, but North Posey did have a couple of matches, and I wanted to point out that they beat South Dearborn, a team that we've seen at the 2A team state duels the last couple of years. Uh, they, they beat them 41-34, but uh, a pretty good 3A team. I've got to think about it now, between 3A and 4A, after being so used to the three-class system. Uh, Greenfield Central, a team down by Indy, they take... Uh, a 10-point victory over North Posey, 41-31. And uh, another interesting dual meet that I saw, Perry Meridian, 51, Westfield, 18. Westfield, Zionsville, um, those couple teams up there north of Indy have been right on the verge of, of cracking the top 20 the last couple of uh, uh, of years. And uh, I think Perry Meridian definitely is going to be one of the top six or seven teams this season. So, Dane, uh we uh, we always kid with uh, Coach Culp that uh, he's the second most important wrestling figure from Columbia City, and he knows we're just in jest because uh, his his mother does a lot of great things for the state. But uh, I tell you what, as one of uh, Randy Kirby's wrestlers, uh, I think Blaine has picked up that program and has kind of taken that same mentality, that same uh, enthusiasm that uh, Coach Kirby brought to that program. I, I refereed Dane's matches when he was a, when he was in high school and junior high, and it's like you see that program just kind of build, and it's like it didn't drop off. I mean, there for a while it kind of a little slow, and then he's built it back up to the uh, to the place that they want it to be. Do you agree, Dane? Uh, oh, I mean, Blaine. That's kind of hard Blaine for you. Blaine, 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 Blaine. We're the same age, and we rhyme. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. You know, I was talking to uh, Coach Hodges just the other day. You know, you know, this team, we don't have any state-ranked guys. Um, I don't even know. We'll probably have a couple semi-state-ranked guys. Um but I think we're going to be as good as, you know, if we we're still 2A, we'd be as good as, as any of those guys. Um, obviously, we have some work to do to get to 3A. But, you know, as far as we have an overall team, um, and it's going to take 13, 14 solid guys to, to beat us. Well, remember the day when, when if, you, if you had 10 guys to fill out all your roster and you weren't throwing kids in weight classes, you were lucky? Well, if you get 14 solid weight classes, I mean, you can beat, beat a lot of teams. Absolutely. And that's kind of the role that we've taken. Um, no, no big names. You know, we don't. I mean, obviously, we have Ryan Sheets. Um, that's probably our biggest name. You know, we've had Forrester. That's been close to state the last couple of years. But as far as you know, that dominant, you know, Hunter Langlow or Hunter Reed or Jackson Pettigrew, we don't have that. And you know, we're just kind of building every, the whole the whole team is coming along. So, but well, look, I'll, look, I'll, looking at that roster that you sent me uh, the other day, you're three deep at every weight class except for 106. And yeah. I think there's something to be said about that competition and the way it breeds in the in the wrestling room to have guys fighting for position, uh, to be the backup, to be the, the varsity guy. Having three or four guys deep at every weight class is really an advantage when you're trying to build that team mentality. Well, guys, out of the corner of my eye, I see the clock is wound down and the first period is coming to an end. We're going to send it back to the studio for a round of messages. Back with more wrestling talk with Coach Blaine Culp, our special guest, right after this. Enjoy neighborhood living and peace of mind for your family in a two-bedroom, one-bedroom, or studio apartment at Adams Woodcrest Assisted Living. New address, new home, new life with household amenities including menu choices and times tailored to your liking. A family room with fireplace and bistro. 
laundry and housekeeping services. A state-of-the-art response system and medication reminders are included, too, at Adams Woodcrest Assisted Living, 1300 Mercer Avenue in Decatur. For a private tour, call 260-728-4038. When you're doing new construction or remodeling and you need drywall, the name to call is Paul Baker Drywall. Paul Baker Drywall does championship caliber work and gives you free estimates. Paul uses all the latest styles for your approval and his work is always guaranteed. Give Paul a call today at 701-4388. That's 701-4388. When it's time for drywall, use the best Paul Baker Drywall. Welcome back to Hager Sefton Hershey Zelt High School Wrestling Weekly, hosted by Double Eagle here at Cross Creek. And we are once again live from the Double Eagle Clubhouse Grill, Rex Burlong, Dane Filling, and joined by our special guest, Blaine Culp of the Columbus City uh, Flying Eagles. And uh, they will take on the Belmont Braves, the first match for the Braves of the season tomorrow night. And uh, a long tradition between the two schools, this is the opener. And it doesn't matter if you're ready or not. It doesn't matter how many games you won in football. For the most part, every Tuesday before Thanksgiving, since uh, Blaine and I have been alive, really, this has been the match that you start your season with. And other than uh, a snowstorm in somewhere around 2009 or 10, I think, and a couple of football successful runs, it's always been that, that first match. I know you mentioned that you picked up Prairie Heights that was almost like an <laughs> exhibition match, and this is this is how you judge the the start of your season. Yeah, you know, you know, th- talking about that, I remember probably I was probably second or third grade because I had just started wrestling, and I my bus driver that would normally drive me home was also our wrestling bus driver. I stayed on the bus, <laughs> <laughs> you know, killed that time, and I I rode the bus with the high school to Belmont, you know, just like. So Did your mom wonder where you were? No, it was. She had already called in and said that's what I was doing. <laughs> I just said you call her from the, hey, I'm at the wrestle match. I can't come home now. So, Blaine, tell us a little bit about your background and what you do sort of as a, as a career and a job now and, and how you ended up back at Columbia City as the head coach. Um, well, I, I uh, went to IU originally um, with an education degree, wrestled there for two years, and then uh, began my coaching. I coached at Bloomington North for, I think, five years. I did half a year then wrestled again and then finished out there um then came home and i started coaching football um i really didn't have any plans on coaching wrestling i had applied for whitco actually um never got an interview for that and and then coach slane who had just taken over this was his second year asked me you know hey we had kyler kirby at the time he had left for the bluffton job or manchester i forget which one he took at the time and uh you know i kind of turned into an assistant for about a week, and then Coach Slane left that first week of practice, and I kind of congratulations, got, you're yeah, head coach. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was one of those. I wasn't ready for it. Yeah. You know, I never should have been there, but you know, I got thrown into it, and I've learned a lot. You know, even I think Coach Perot 
Um, he pulled me to the side a couple times those first couple of years and, and talked to me a lot. So. I was going to say, who were some of the guys that you kind of leaned on because you knew you weren't ready and you needed help? Um, absolutely. Coach Farrell, you know, he was probably the first one to, to put his arm around me and talk to me about different things to do. Um, you know, actually, as, much, as hard as I can believe, is Coach Reason from East Noble, who was at Cherbusco at the time. You know, he had a couple years in ahead of me, and, you know, I learned from him a little bit. And um, now I seem to always maneuver my lineup against him. But, um, you know, um, at the time, DeKalb had Jason Hunter. Um, I learned a lot from him and the Coach Oberlin, who's now at Homestead. Uh, those are some of the guys that kind of in the area. that. You know, you talk about Coach Reason and Coach Fro. Those are two guys who really care about the sport, and they want to see – everybody succeed and you know sometimes i press the wrong button on the microwave and coach for puts his arm around me and <laughs> gives me a, a pep talk so uh, you know that's sort of in his nature but uh you know that's one of the great things about wrestling is it, it's really kind of a community and, and people want to see other people succeed they want to see your program grow in numbers they want to hear that you have more fans they want they want to see everybody get that guy to stay and see and see the programs grow and who was the coach at east noble was there for years and years it was on his own. um hofer Hoffer, yeah. yeah, yeah, Keith Hoffer, uh, and he was he was a great guy. He was a great mm-hmm. mentor for I mean lots of sports, and he was just there to help. I mean, he enjoyed winning, but he wanted to make sure that everybody succeeded. Absolutely, and you know he would he would talk to you as, as like like you've known him forever. You know those first couple of years, he he was one of those guys. And then obviously in my in my own program, you know coach coach Hodges stepped up to the plate, and uh, he's been he's been around forever. And then Coach Deitch, who had actually retired, um, he came back when I came back. When I got the job, he said, I'll absolutely help you. And he's still around. He's still doing our middle school, and, and you know, he's, a, he's our encyclopedia. So I, I, I refereed a lot of matches. Uh, coach Kirby was your coach up in high school, wasn't he? Yes. So what kind of inspiration does that guy have? You look at him, and he's, he's not slick. He's not classy. There's nothing fancy about him. But I tell you what, I saw him motivate kids to be so much better than they were with little or no talent, and he made those kids believe in themselves. And it's like that's – one of those things I saw from him, and he would talk to kids, and it's like he was intense as a wrestling coach, but I think he was more of a life coach than anything. Absolutely. For him to get down on the mat just wasn't going to happen. <laughs> um, but, you know, he could get you ready to run through a brick wall. Um, he, you know, he'd call it an athletic street, uh, an athletic street fight or an athletic war. Um, that was come, some of the terms that he would use a lot. Um, you know, he'd, just, he'd have you mentally ready to go. And it didn't matter if it was football, wrestling, track, um, then he also taught uh, resource kids. Mm-hmm. He was great with them. And, you know, for a guy to be able to, to go through, you know, those sports, you know, the manly sports, and then to go to school and be with the resource kids, that's that's like flipping a switch. Yeah, I always had a lot of respect for Randy because refereeing with him. There was times when we disagreed, and he, he never pushed it to the level where it was unprofessional, yeah. ever. Absolutely. And one of the things that I've always uh, noticed about Columbia City is, is that larger entourage of support staff, whether it's guys keeping book or, or just showing up. It always seems like when Belmont and Columbia City walk through the door, they've got two or three extra guys who are just there to help out. Tell us a little bit more about who else is on your support staff. So kind of funny story. I don't have any Columbia City alumni on my staff. Really? And at I, the high school level. I noticed that when I was putting together my, uh, my program for tomorrow night. We list where, they, where they've yeah. graduated from. So Coach Hodges, who's been with me since day one, um, even though he, he does the middle school now, but he wrestled for Cherbusco. Uh, Coach Strauss wrestled for Huntington. Um, I've had Coach Bailey. Coach Bailey's no longer with us. Um, he wrestled for Whitco. 
I have Coach Gilbert, who wrestled for Whitco, and then I also have uh, Coach Brad Clifford, who wrestled for Northrop when they were in their heyday. So <laughs> I have no zero, I have zero Columbia City alumni. But then you look at my middle school staff, and then you got Coach Deitch, you got another Hodges, you got Coach Strack, and then our elementary team's all Columbia City. So it's, it's, it, it's still in there, just not at the high school level. It definitely takes more than one person, doesn't it? I Absolutely. mean, it's, it's a full, and a lot of people don't realize that about wrestling. You look at basketball or some other sports where it, it's kind of disjointed, but in a wrestling program, for there to be success, it's got to be coordinated from the kids who come in at five years old, and you've got to have those people that are coaching those kids aligned with who the high school coach is, and it's all got to come together. And that's something that some programs have done a great job of and others haven't, and, and they've <clears throat> suffered because of it. And I know as a referee for all these years, I would go in and see a lot of coaches, and a lot of coaches coach differently. Some programs need that general manager that runs it and makes it go and does all the, the book work and all the stuff you need to do. Some of those some coaches are very good at that, head coaches. Other head coaches are not very good at that, and they have to lean on somebody to do that. And then you have other guys that are not the trainer and not the driller and not those guys, and they have that technical guy to, to drill it and run their practices for them and then to kind of oversee everything. I mean, is, is, do you have kind of a mix like that, Blaine? Um, I have. You know, this year's a little bit different. Um, people in and out, it's, it's a little bit tougher. Um, I've kind of, kind of been the one that's – made sure the laundry's going I, you know obviously i got the i got the managers but to teach them i got two freshmen so i'm teaching them and i got to teach them the ways you know how to lay things out and um kind of do all right now until you know i get well there's back. there's a lot more paperwork now than there used to be Absolutely. Back, back in the day before you had to worry about weight schedules and things like that that's a whole new part of it that book works part that is not easy for old school wrestling coaches to keep up with. I would hate to see Coach Kirby doing it. <laughs> you know, for him to be on a computer and, and checking to make sure everybody's, you know, where they have to be at their weight to get a certified way in and you know, he it'd be tough for him to even log it's into the a, computer. But <laughs> it's a lot to manage. So coach, uh, as we gear up for tomorrow's opener, uh, as AJ said earlier, it's the fortieth anniversary of the first radio broadcast for Belmont and uh, traditionally like we said for the last thirty years at least uh, this broadcast has been the very first one on our schedule. And uh, just tell us a little bit about what it means to uh, to start your season with that rivalry against Belmont. Well, I wish our school would realize, you know, our administration would realize how big this rivalry really is. Um, you know, when this meet got moved to you guys, I was dumbfounded. You know, I couldn't I couldn't believe that, you know, I would never expect, you know, our girls to our girls basketball team to, to move, you know, their Norwell game or their Huntington game or Warsaw for us. They would never take that as a home meet or home game and move it to the other side. You know, same with the boys. They would never do that. So when we got moved, it was really kind of a chip on our shoulder that got knocked off. You know, they don't they don't care where we're at. So it's kind of a, you know, we may have a little bit more of a point to prove tomorrow. It's kind of the how dare you. Yeah. <laughs> well, a couple of years Worst ago. Worst part is there's no girls game tomorrow. A couple of years ago, we went into that little cave of yours that you have Love over there. It. That you know, traditionally, when you wrestled us, I never even knew that that place existed because when we wrestled you, it was always in the main gym. But you had been wrestling there for years before. That was where you did everything but Belmont. Traditionally, yeah, because you guys always had such a good crowd, we couldn't fit. So we would always have Belmont um, at the high school. Um, it, it's it slowly moved over to everything was at the high school, and then a couple of years years ago, I'm like, let's wrestle here. 
you know, some of these smaller crowds? Well, it was dark, and it was our fans didn't know exactly where they were going, and, and I had to take pictures for the paper, and I, I couldn't even get a good picture of it because it was such a unique environment, and everybody was kind of confused, and we had this big freshman class that was really hyped up, and, and they, they had never wrestled in a high school match before, and we go there, and everybody's like, what is this? <laughs> and, and you the, know what? You don't coach in there. Because you can't hear them. Yeah. yeah. I, I instantly shut up. I just let them wrestle until breaks. We, we st- were stuck over in a corner and didn't have a good angle, and the thing was going up crazy. And in the meantime, my daughter was in the labor, giving birth to our first grandchild, and it's like I was getting updates along the way, and I was not real focused and to get out of the match. And I got back to the hospital. The match got over. I got back to the hospital, and it's like, Hey, visiting hour is over. You have to leave now. It's like missed <laughs> by this much. Well, it's but, a good thing we had a fast night that yeah, night. But I, but I remember the, I remember the, the night. It's like... That match went back and forth, back and forth, and and probably at the time when Alec Mowry didn't get pinned by your stud, it's the biggest match. It's, it was like first match of the night. It was first night or first match, first or match. second match maybe. Yeah, first but. or second. And then you think, well, okay, that that didn't mean much. He just didn't get pinned, and then it that comes was down. The night. That's the move right there. Was that Pettigrew that he was, was wrestling? Pettigrew, which Pettigrew doesn't pin anybody until you know he started to a little bit last year, but. At the time, that was that was what won the match. Yeah. But you know, Alec Mowry, you know, he comes out of that match, and we're thinking, boy, it's going to have a pretty good freshman year. He ends up going five and twenty-seven, and it just, you know, things just didn't match up for him. But he wrestled and some good we matches. We knew he was, we knew he was talented. And then finally, his sophomore year, he comes back last year. He's a ticket rounder, and everybody's like, well, this this kid's not really any different than he was the freshman year. But he kind of validated yeah. what what he had done. So before we go to the next break. Uh, I gotta, I gotta pick your brain as a wrestler. Your memories. Uh, we in the program tomorrow. It says that tomorrow is the fiftieth <coughs> meeting between Belmont and Columbia City, and Columbia City has beaten Belmont three times. It was a span of either two or three seasons. I think. I think there was four, oh five, and then oh six, probably. There was one November win, and then there were two back to back wins Team at, at Team State. And so, remember, what do you remember from those matches as a wrestler? So, as a wrestler. Every time we beat Belmont, I lost. <laughs> so I have it in front of us here, the match that you won. You beat Matt Irwin. That, and we lost the dual meet. Okay. And then we came back, and Matt beat me in conference. Uh-huh. And we beat you guys by four. And then Matt beat, I beat Matt at semi-state. And then at team state, Matt beat me. But then we blew you guys out. And I was like, all we had to uh, do is I had to lose. Conference was at Homestead, Homestead. that year. And it was, uh, uh, and I remember like Dylan, four points. Dylan Deitch moved up like two weight classes and went like 189 or yeah. 215 or something. And his way through. And just whooped everybody. And it was a really big deal for uh, Columbia City to win that, that conference tournament. So what year class was that of Matt's when he was? He would have been a sophomore. Okay. Yeah. And he's like third state that year? Yeah. No, he got second. Second. Because we were on the opposite yeah. sides and I was with <clears throat> Humphrey and he wasn't. It was really, that's really what it was. And then it was Matt's senior year that he won state. Yeah, against uh, yeah, very good. Yeah, lots of good memories. And uh, uh, you know, for me personally, one of the first times that I brought my wife to Decatur was for Thanksgiving, the first year that we were together. And uh, I remember going to Walmart one night, and we were walking. It must have been either Monday night or Tuesday before the match. And uh, Belmont was hosting Columbia City that year, so it would have been 04, November of 04. And there were two old ladies in the pharmacy aisle, and they were asking about the Belmont lineup. And we, were, <laughs> we, we weren't involved in the conversation, and my wife was like, 
what is going on here? Those were big dual meets. And I said, boy, they're in 03, 04, 05. Those were monumental clashes uh, between the two teams. And obviously, and we'll talk about this after, the, after we go off the air and we go into the podcast, uh, you guys had an exceptional team in 04. Mm-hmm. Uh, that made the state semifinals and were, were one decision away from, from well, we, making it to the finals. We had lost two team points, and we ended up tying, and that was the tiebreaker. Yeah. And yeah. I have never seen two team points taken away ever, <laughs> in one, except for that time. Yeah, but it's not every year you have a Deitch on the lineup, though. It was a Deitch. Yeah, it was a Deitch. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he had a lot of big wins that year. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't fall on him. Yeah. Any of us could have got a major decision or a, you know, a tech or a pin or something. Let's go in a way back machine. I'll tell you that he and his, his father – uh, was a year behind me, and we were great friends and wrestled a lot of freestyle together. And I tell you what, that family is something special. They're really great people. Phenomenal. You know, Todd's, Todd's brought me along so much. With that, we're going to send it back to the studio for a round of messages with uh, Steve Rouse running aboard for us. We're back with more wrestling talk right after this. Looking for a trusted name in home or farm insulation? Ted Sprunger Insulation has been taking care of families in our area since 1978. When it comes to spraying foam and cellulose insulation, Ted Sprunger Insulation can't be beat for service or price. Give them a call today at 273-5068 or at 824-3021. That's 273-5068 or 824-3021. Ted Sprunger Insulation. The trained and knowledgeable medical staff at Adams Memorial Hospital are dedicated to personalized care. Dr. Robert Kinney specializes in interventional spine and sports medicine procedures and regenerative medicine. Dr. Scott Colclasier specializes in anesthesiology and pain management procedures. The trained staff serves your medical needs by providing individual care in a safe environment along with education for you and your family throughout your visit. You don't always need an attorney, but when you do, the man to call is Brad Weber. Brad has extensive experience in most legal matters and will help you make your problems disappear. Keep this number handy, 452-7045. That's 452-7045. You just never know when you'll need the services of an experienced litigator like Brad Weber. Well, wrestling fans, welcome back to Hager Sefner Hershey Zelt High School Wrestling Weekly, hosted by the Double Eagle here at Cross Creek. We're once again live from the Double Eagle Clubhouse Grill and uh, Rexburg with Dane filling our special guest, Blaine Culp. And uh, Dane, once again, we'd like to push that special. And tonight was was just chili mac with cheese on top and a breadstick, and it was wonderful. So I don't think people in Decatur realize how great the food here at the Double Eagle is because we order different stuff off the menu each week, and each week it's it's spectacular. So get out here and on some of these Monday nights and watch us live in person and take on that 699 special. And if you're one of those people that can't decide what they want to eat, you just come in and say, give me the special without ever <laughs> looking, and it's always it's always good. So uh, we're now in the third period, and we uh, want to talk a little bit about the conference and the Northeast Eight, obviously now, what are we, five, six years in yeah. to the NEA as we, as we transition from the NHC. You know, from a wrestling perspective, we lost Homestead and Carroll, and we gained 
uh, Leo and Huntington North. And, and honestly, uh, Carroll has been awfully good the last six or seven years. But overall, it really hasn't changed the dynamic all that much of the conference as, as Leo has had some very, very strong teams uh, that Rod's brought in. And Huntington North and had, Huntington some, North had yeah. some great individuals. They haven't been a great dual team. Uh, but Homestead was never really that great of a dual team in, in that perspective. So a lot, not much has changed, and, and the format has really not changed at all. We still have the same schedule. In most cases, most of the schools just they just flip-flopped. They just pulled Carroll and Homestead out, and they stuck Leo and Huntington North in on the same dates. We still have the NE8 triple duels and all of those things. So, uh, and, and I don't know about you guys with Leo, but Leo has become a real rivalry with Belmont. I mean, they are tough, and they will fight you tooth and nail, and Rod has those guys fired absolutely. up. I think, honestly, going into this season, I thought they would be the team to beat. Um, I've heard that he has a couple holes in the lineup that might squeak that a little bit, but um, honestly, I thought they would from what they had returning, I said they're going to win conference no week, without a doubt. Yeah, a couple of years ago, he had a, he had a bunch of really quality kids just decide not to come back out, yeah. and um, it, it kind of hurt him a little bit. But he's I think he's rebounded well from it. They're tough, you know. Honestly, it's easier to get a, if, if we pick bottom, it's easier to get away from Belmont than it is Leo. Really, and that's not something that's heard very often. Um, you know, <laughs> they're tough. Uh, we don't have that rivalry per se, for what, like with you guys, because it's not a duel. It's a Saturday triple duel. If we had them on a weekday duel, it's probably going to be a barn burner. Well, and the rule of COVID, and COVID's killed a lot of things, but that big packed crowd in the gym, we're not going to see that this year. But somehow you're going to have to coach your kids to get that intensity level up where it needs to be when you have that big duel match that matters a lot. Mm -hmm. That's going to help me come tomorrow because I'm not in your gym, or we're in your gym. But, you know, if that were, say, back at our place, that's going to, you know, I'm going to rely on that. You know, just yeah. like the year we brought you into the little gym, that was an advantage for us. Yep. So it know. was, it, and I, I go back to it again. It was a weird atmosphere because nobody from Belmont had ever been in that gym before, as far as I remember. And I've been going to that duel for 25 years. It had always been at the what is now the old Columbia yeah. City gym. Uh, it'll be interesting to travel up there next year, and maybe I'll get up there for a basketball game this year. But. Uh, uh, definitely just something that I look forward to as, okay, it's almost Thanksgiving. Now the season can start. It's two days before Thanksgiving. It's Tuesday. We worry about this match, and then from there we go on. Now, do you guys wrestle on Saturday after yeah, Thanksgiving? We're, we're actually going back to Wawasee. Um, we've been out of there for three years, and now we're, we're back. Uh, Frank got a hold of me last, late last week, and it's just going to be a triple duel, but, hey, we get to wrestle while we see. So. You know, that was my first wrestling season, wrestling tournament of the season as a referee. I, used, I didn't always have a match on that Tuesday, but that was my first Saturday match. And one thing I always knew, that that was opening day of deer season and shotgun, yeah. and there was deer running everywhere. And it's like, if you didn't almost hit three deer on the way to Wawa see, you, you, you didn't leave in the right time. <laughs> so, uh, Coach, why don't you give us your thoughts on uh, what you see as uh, as it uh, pertains to the the Northeast Eight, whether it's the dual season, the individual season. Who are you really excited to see how far they can go in the season outside of your own guys? It's a total crapshoot, like it was last year. You know, last year I don't how many team state teams we have. Uh, well, four, it was it could have been more. Norwell, Columbia City, Belmont, and Leo. And Leo is there, and this year New Haven is there. So when you've had five of the of the eight teams participating. Obviously, East Noble participated in the 3A tournament the very yeah. first couple of years that they were in it. So it's really only Huntington North and DeKalb who don't have experience in that team state setting. So You know, DeKalb's going to be way better than they were last year. East no- 
heck, East Noble won a sectional. And, uh, and well, both of those two teams battle for the sectional. So, you know, East Noble, if they could get their whole lineup together in one night, I think they're, they'd be super tough. And part of that is their football team had some success this year. You yeah. guys' football team the past couple of seasons had some success, and I think that's what helps build that in there. And the relationship you have with your football coach makes a difference of how many of those kids carry on and you get those big kids in your lineup. Uh, Belmont struggled the last couple of years to get the big kids out that are football players, and I think uh, Coach Hall, is kind of the new coach at Belmont, has kind of helped encourage those kids, hey, I want you playing another sport because I tell you what, if you're an interior lineman and you learn to wrestle, your foot speed, your coordination, all that stuff just goes way up. Yeah, so, oh, go ahead. So, Coach, as we uh, before we run out of time here, we ought to talk at least a little bit about the match tomorrow. <laughs> um, uh, I do have the program made up. I'm going to do my best to try to, for those of uh, Belmont fans listening, to try to get that out to people so that if they can't go to the match, they can at least look at the program and, and see the names and the, the information on there. Dane's um, little fancy score sheet that we all use to keep <laughs> score. Yeah, this, is the best, this is the best away meet in the world. I, uh, uh, th- there are some new names and there are some old names. Uh, obviously, you mentioned earlier Jarrett Forrester. Ryan Sheets, they're going to have great matches against uh, uh, Calvin Ferrote, against Isaac Freet. But tell us a little bit about some of your newcomers to your lineup. Um, let's see, I got a freshman at uh, 106. Um, he'll be tough. He's got, obviously, he's, got, he's going to have some growing to do. But um, come the end of the year, I think he'll be battling. Um, you know, we have a pretty tough sectional. If we get out of sectional, we're usually okay. Um, he'll be a tough one that's, that's going to be pushing to get out of sectional. Um, we're a little, we're a little kind of in, inexperienced at 13 and 20, uh, but we'll build throughout the year. Um, 26, 32, 38, 45. Well, 45 is a new one. Um, he actually won 27 JV matches last year, which is a bunch. Yeah. So I'm, I'm anxious to get him in the lineup. He's been stuck uh, behind. He was stuck behind some guys last year. So as a coach, that's a great job getting him 27 matches on JV. That's, that's un- tough to do. That is very tough to do. And you know, he broke our. I keep school records for the JV, too, because I think that's important. And uh, he broke our school record for most wins in a season. And, um, you know, obviously he's not going to break a career record because I think he'll be in the lineup from now on. But, um, you know, going on down, um, I got another Reed in the lineup. Um, He's not his brother, but he will be. Um, He's pretty solid. And then uh, I got some heavy guys that that will step in. Uh, Alton Molnax will be a a good leader. Um, he He was winning his match at regional last year and got pinned. Um, and that's a kid that almost went to state. So, you know, for him, and he, he's, he wanted to wrestle 195 last week. Um, he knew they didn't have a, a wrestler at 70 or 82, and he wanted, to, he wanted to bump up. So, you know, he's very flexible of where he, where he can go. And um, he kind of learned the ropes last year with Jackson Pettigrew, and he kind of was the odd man out of getting shuffled around. So I think you'll, you'll see his name a lot. And then um, I got Jack Maley and Ian Clifford that will that'll really do well at the top. Well, Molinax is going to match up probably with Gavin Cox from Belmont, and he's a guy who wasn't varsity as a freshman and then sophomore year wasn't varsity, and then all of a sudden he found himself in the varsity spot, and he beat uh, A.J. Dole twice at sectional <laughs> and, and ended up in third place, and people were like, holy cow, where'd this guy come from? And then uh, didn't make it onto semi-state, and then last year couldn't find a spot in that in that lineup, but he's a senior 
who has put in all the time with the Belmont team and someone who's up a little bit in weight. But uh, I'm kind of excited to see exactly how he fits in because he's a guy who's been able to score points. And obviously, when it comes to Dahl, it, it's a little bit of a, a matchup thing with, with, with the headlock, as you guys mm-hmm. <laughs> unfortunately know from last year yeah. at Semi-State. But uh, I think that's an interesting matchup between those two. And then I look, obviously, for... Uh, and Forrester at 138. They wrestled three times last year. All doozies. Calvin won by two points the first two times, and then Forrester comes back at at conference and beats him. But uh, I think it's going to be great to see 14 guys on 14 guys and no uh, forfeits tomorrow, and I think there's a lot of really good matchups. I think we give Gavin Cox the Bruce Teamy Award, the the three-year JV wrestler that comes on his senior year and just has a breakout year. Hey, those are the best guys. Those are the guys that make you Belmont. You know why? Because they stuck at it. They, yeah. didn't, they didn't quit after a bad season and didn't get to wrestle. And those guys, they're helping those other guys in front of them. But I tell you, tell you what, they wrestle so hard when you get in line up. It's and, funny. And, you know, honestly, uh, before uh, we had somebody leave the team earlier in the week, uh, there were no seniors in Belmont's lineup. And so you've got a group of three or four guys who have stuck it out for four years. Pierce Hebbles, another guy, Luke Litchfield. Uh, did get some matches uh, freshman and sophomore year. Patrick Gunsett's back with the team. Uh, those are guys who who understand what the Belmont program is, and they want to find that moment, that meet on a Tuesday night or that Saturday tournament where they turn the team from being seventeen and three to eighteen and two or nineteen and one. And uh, you know, Garrett Piper played that role last year. Never wrestled in a sectional tournament. But, man, was he valuable last year uh, in different spots, especially. And with COVID, you know, as soon as somebody goes down for two weeks because of contact tracing, there's going to be matches to be wrestled there. Yeah, you got to have everybody ready, every single. And that, that kind of goes into my favor of having so many guys. But it's still, you, got, you know, every single person on that roster has to be ready to fill in at some point. With that, the third period has ended. We're going to sneak off to uh, our last commercial break, and we'll come back with overtime right after these messages. Independently owned and operated, Haggard Sefton Hershey and Zelt Funeral Home, located in the heart of downtown Decatur, has been serving the funeral needs of Adams County and the surrounding area for over 114 years. Whether it's at need, a prearrangement, or a monument sale, our small staff is here to provide comfort in your time of need and make our home feel like an extension of your home as we assist you in honoring the life of your loved one. Hi, it's Jessie from Heller Nursery, and the Christmas season is here. We have fresh-cut Christmas trees and greens for decorating. I make wreaths and grave blankets daily. Come to Heller's for your holiday decorations. Poinsettias are a great gift for the ones staying home this season. And we have several new varieties to choose from. Open seven days a week, Heller Nursery is located on 400 West, in between 124 and 224, just west of Decatur. Follow the signs. See updates about Christmas on our Facebook page at Heller Nursery. Enjoy neighborhood living and peace of mind for your family in a two-bedroom, one-bedroom, or studio apartment at Adams Woodcrest Assisted Living. New address, new home, new life with household amenities including menu choices and times tailored to your liking. A family room with fireplace and bistro, laundry and housekeeping services. A state-of-the-art response system and medication reminders are included too at Adams Woodcrest Assisted Living, 1300 Mercer Avenue in Decatur. For a private tour, call 260-728-4038. I left out Hershey 
Hagerson and Hershey's Elf High School Wrestling Weekly, hosted by Double Eagle here at Cross Creek. Rex Burrow along with Dane Filling and still in the overtime period, we are still with our special guest, Coach Blaine Culpin. Blaine, it's uh, really great that you was able to make it down here and be our guest tonight. Uh, we always have a great time when we have great coaches on here. and uh, Looking forward like to have you here set this up for the big match for tomorrow night. We, we've talked quite a bit about that, but it's not, it, it's not really understood until you're there. Yeah, you know, um, you know, we were talking about the, you know, the history a couple minutes ago. Um, you know, I brought up uh, Kyle Meineke, Joel Coons. You know, I think that was 02 or 03 probably. They ended up in the bleachers. Um, that's our rivalry. Is that Team Semi-State? I think that was Team Semi-State, so it would have been probably 02. Um, you know, that's our rivalry, and you don't know that unless you're there. Um, even though you guys have won most of the matches, there's, you know that we were in the gym. They weren't walkovers, yeah. none of them. None of them were walks. They were all battles. I mean, the, the one we just talked about in the little gym, that was, that was your guys' match to win, and we stole it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we were up 10 with two matches to go. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm over there telling my guys, just lay on your stomach. <laughs> Anything. And, of course, you know, you guys had two studs that were – I think it was John Rubel who was the last yeah, last man on the mat, I believe, is who it was. Yeah. but You, uh, you can't coach your way out of that one, can you? No. <laughs> Rex, we want to take a look at uh, WZBD's schedule for the rest of the week, and we've got a lot of big broadcasts, obviously, tomorrow. Columbia City at Belmont. Uh, from what I understand, we're going to go with the Jeff Brom show, um, and assuming that there's going to be lots of JV matches because Coach Culp has put together such a big roster to, to uh, wrestle all of JV, uh, Belmont's JV uh, wrestlers, we should be able to fit the whole Jeff Brom show on before we go to our pre-match, but uh, we may have to cut into the end of that. But our pre-match has to be big because Dane sold a lot of advertisements, so we got to get on the air. To- <laughs> AJ and I have sold a lot of uh, a lot of ads, and uh, we have a lot of support for wrestling this season, with just two people allowed at most matches per wrestler. That's just you know we got 33 guys on the team, uh, 33 wrestlers, I should say. So that's 66 people max who are going to be able to watch Belmont outside of. Some assistant coaches and, and those of us in the media, that's it. Not to get away from it, but we do have a big match coming up for you guys' 50th anniversary with Adam Central. This is going to be on there. WZBD is going to carry that, and I think that's going to be a great night for you guys. Man, I, I so wish we could have a crowd. <laughs> you know, that's, you know, I had a big thing planned. Um, I watched Adam Central's last year, and I got great ideas, and, and it kind of got smashed. But, um, you know, I get another year to do it for 51, I guess. Yeah. That will be a, that will be a fun duel for sure. Yeah. So on uh, Wednesday, then uh, it's the Purdue basketball opener, pregame at five p.m. as they take on Liberty, and then depending on whether or not the Boilermakers win or lose, you'll either either have a five p.m. pregame on Thanksgiving Day against Clemson or seven thirty p.m. against Mississippi State. Then on Friday night we got Bluffton at South Adams basketball. The last I heard from Jason Arnold, that game is still up in the air, so I'm not sure if that's going to get broadcast. If they do play the game, we will be on air Friday night at seven p.m. And then uh, extended pregame Saturday morning, Rex. Uh, Dave and I will be in Indianapolis at Lucas Oil Stadium for a 10-15 pregame for the 11 a.m. kickoff in the 1A state title game between South Adams and Covenant Christian. Looking forward to it as much as any broadcast we've done uh, in recent memory. So so if there's any podium pickers, that's who I'm going to pick because uh, I'm going to wear my Starfire uh, patch on my sleeve because I, I've been behind that team all season long, and I made the statement earlier in the season that if South Adams would have paid LCC last year instead of Adam Central, they would have beat them and went to the state finals. But they got their chance now. And uh, I, th- I think South Adams is going to do way better than everybody thinks they are in the southern half of the state who don't give them credit for people in the north. 
And uh, we've got the whole Z team in action on Saturday because Matt Converse is going to be calling the uh, girls basketball game on Saturday night. So listen for that, a 7.30 tip-off. And then on Sunday we have the Colts. They play at 1 with pregame at noon. And then we will have the Matt Painter Show at 6.05 next Monday. And our show will begin at 7.05 as we are joined with, uh, I'm sorry, joined by uh, special guest Tony Drysdale our first official on the show, and really excited to talk to him about the differences that COVID has made this season, what kind of things that he has seen as an official at the beginning of the year and what he's looking forward to, and just some insight from, uh, from a different perspective. So with that, we'd like to thank Coach Cole for being our guest tonight. I'd like to thank all of our sponsors. I'd like to thank Steve Rouse for running the board for us, and thank uh, everybody who uh, tuned in and listened to us. And uh, we're going to go away for a quick break, and we're going to come back with uh, – overtime double overtime for our podcast special but uh, tune in next week 705 to listen to our show again And we fast forward now 15, 16 years later, and we think, man, we didn't know what we, you know, we didn't grasp everything that that program had. And we talked with, we talked with uh, Coach Goebel um, last year at State. We talked to him about the admiration that we have for him now. But, man, 15 years ago, it was just a pure passion and hatred. Awesome. He also brought it up, him. too. He brought, also brought up, it's like, yeah, you know, pe- people in Decatur hated me. He said, yeah. I knew that. And he said, I understood that. But, but you re- uh, they respected him. Yes. They hated him because he was good. <laughs> and, they, yeah. and they knew that it was going to take an absolute amazing uh, performance to ever get over the top against them. And unfortunately, the format died before Belmont was ever able to do it. Belmont has not beaten Modern Day in a duel ever. Not, not to digress, but the, one of the last years I had that team state, I had the Griffith match in the semifinals, and I refereed Alex Sertzis' match. And he was so smooth. He was just like watching magic almost. And he was ref- wrestling this kid, and he was going to take fall him, and he'd take him down, and when he'd go to cut him loose, he'd pat him on the hind end <laughs> and let him go. And he, and he went out of bounds, and I said, don't do that again. He goes, He's the only person. He said, I'm sorry, sir, I won't do it again. And he never did. <laughs> He's the Super only person nice. that I ever remember at Team State signing autographs. <laughs> <laughs> he signed autographs at, in the, at the 03 Team State tournament to people that just walked up to him and he, and he would sign their program because he was just an absolute uh, celebrity. I just saw on Twitter today, uh, Sarah Hildebrand was signing autographs at a tournament. Two Japanese kids were up getting her autograph and she was looked like... <laughs> Japanese? You, yeah, they were Japanese boys. And she was like, you want my <laughs> autograph? And she signed autographs. These two Japanese boys were there. So obviously in that tournament then, uh, Portage ends up uh, defeating Modern Day and ending their reign as they had won every match they'd ever wrestled in that tournament. Uh, but the real story was just the juggernaut of a team in Lawrence North that they had. So in that opening round with four mats at Center Grove, it's Lawrence North 47, Perry Meridian 12. And then uh, the match that maybe we can talk a little bit about, Columbia City has the best of Belmont 44-21. to 21. Uh, looking back at those winners for Columbia City, Nick Slane, Eli Michael. Uh, you know, Nick Slane beats Derek Nelson, who is a, um, a, a future state streeter for Belmont. Uh, the match that you mentioned earlier, Matt Irwin uh, defeated you 2-1. 
And I, I, we had one second on the clock, and I got away from him. And uh, I didn't get the escape, which, oh, well. But. It wasn't Rex who gave you the call, was no, it? No. Okay, I didn't yeah. have that match. <laughs> Some Evansville refs. Uh, and then uh, Kyle Meineke and uh, Tyler Kress was a great match. Nathan Strack and Travis Hill-Colette, who has joined, for those of you who haven't heard, has joined the Belmont staff this year. Uh, Nathan Shear and Derek Mort, there was a little bit of a rivalry. That's big. That's, and that's from when they were kids. Yeah. They went back and forth for several years, and that was a 3-2 to two match in that duel. Uh, looking further into it, um, gosh, Eric Martin pinned Jeremiah Blau in 49 seconds. That one's kind of hard to believe. Kyle Wood, who is now uh, an assistant at Carroll, uh, got a fall at 189. And uh, Columbia City finished off with three straight falls. So the big, the big difference there is 71. Let's see. From Kyle Wood up, we got pinned in the duel that year. So I have that in we my thing. And that's them. what I remember was there was at the end, that was before we switched weight classes, right? Yeah. We were starting at, at, at 103 at the beginning. And if you look back at the very beginning of the year, Adam Miller, Victor Boldemeyer, and Derek Kolklazer all pinned uh, in the very first match. No, it says the match started at 189. Okay. So maybe okay. that was the first year where they switched, yep. where they drew the names yeah. out of the hat. And Belmont comes out. This is the year that Columbia City is going to beat Belmont in November. And Belmont comes out with three pins. Boom, boom, boom. And it, the match was kind of over. And then, But then, like you, like you said, Coach, uh, you look at the Team State results, and it's Columbia City pin. Get them more. 215, 275. Get them where it counts, right? Yeah. It's the first time we ever really beat you. Into money. Yeah. I remember that year we went to the football sectional. So we were short. I mean, we only had our five practices or whatever, um, which we had beat you guys the week before in football, and we had a bench-clearing brawl. <laughs> How do, I mean, that's just the Belmont. Mm-hmm. You know, Bel- Belmont has a lot of rivals. They don't like Norwell. <laughs> they don't like Columbia City. They don't, they don't like Adams Central. There's a lot of teams that Belmont has rivals. Some teams are only lucky enough to have one real rival. Belmont has multiple rivals in multiple sports. Yeah, we slowly started to to make one with Garrett. Um, <laughs> it's fun, you know. Yeah. I like Nick. Um, great guy. I think he's good for the area and everything. But it's it's been a fun dual meet. Well, that's easy to brawl with those guys because those guys are hard nosed. Yeah. The railroaders, those ki- those kids are tough, blue collar, hard nosed kids. That's like going to Eastside and going against the kids from Butler. Those yeah. kids are the same way. They just they just cut from a different cloth. Then looking further in that first round from 2004, Portage finally knocks off Modern Day 29-23. I'm looking here and I'm seeing Blake Mauer listed at 215, and it, it, it makes me laugh just because of how good he was, and he was a senior that year. Um, and then Lawrence North blows by Bloomington South. And I've got a stack of papers here. I'm trying to go back to the semifinals because then you guys end up wrestling Perry Meridian, correct? Yep. And that was the match where I believe somebody ended up in the chairs or in the bench <laughs> towards the end of it. But my score sheet here says that it was 26 26. Um, looking back at this, Nick Slane beats John Urich, 8-5. I remember Urich's name mm-hmm. as, I think, a State Streeter, maybe even yep. a placer. Uh, Nick Walpole, who was an eventual state champ for Perry Meridian, takes out Strack. Uh, Derek Mort did got a win. Did he major him, or did he, did he just, was it just a decision? 16-7, it says. Eric Ow beats Brian Deitch, 5-3, and that was the match, I believe, that was where it. the – so it was actually it was four to three at the time, 
And I remember he had started running from Brian, and he did the whole around the outside circle, and Brian doesn't take losing well. <laughs> none, of, none of them did. No. But Brian gave him a shove, and I remember it wasn't because he could barely get to him. It was the best acting job I've ever seen. <laughs> but it was good. You know, it was LeBron James. Yeah. Took a FIFA, he, flop, FIFA yeah. flop. He went over the – over the ble- over their chairs that they had, and I was just like, oh, my gosh. I was just sitting there thinking, I was like, this is going to cost us. And then they brought two points, I, and I have never – of course, that time I was just a wrestler, but I have never to this day seen two points taken away for unsportsmanlike conduct or whatever you – Yeah. And then that was the first criteria come tie. Yeah, they did not like his attitude, <laughs> I remember vividly. He was um, cocky. That's the way it was. You know what? He's the quietest kid you'll ever know. That whole, except for Peter. Peter. That whole family is super quiet. <laughs> Dylan was probably the quietest of yeah. all. Dylan's more like his dad. And then, yeah. then Pete and those, those guys are a little bit fiery. Yeah. So that match ends with uh, Graham Miller beating Kyle Woods 6-5 at 189. And then Columbia City would have needed, with the tiebreaker in mind, they would have needed a major out of the last two. They get two decisions, and they end up losing on the tiebreaker uh, 26-26. And then... You know, you talk about it and you don't see it. There may not have been in Indiana another duel that finished 23-21 since then. If you think about 7-7 seven and seven being mm-hmm. 21-21. Lawrence North beats Portage 23-21 in one of the lowest scoring duels that you'll ever see. Uh, just an epic match that comes down to Mo Gunn getting the win uh, at 3-1, I believe it says. And uh, and then from there, Lawrence North ends up winning state in 04. And that's just two teams that are matched that closely that guys just get decisions. So there's no blowouts. There's no tech falls. There's no majors. There's no falls. It's just two to one, three to four, six to five, just those kind of matches. And that's one of those things there. You know, we talk about 1A being so tight, and it's one match this way or one match this way. Those matches are 36-42 or 36-35 or those types of things. When you get into those top levels. A major is important. Between Warren Central and Cathedral or Cathedral and Brownsburg, and it's 20-something to 20-something, you know you got yourself a dogfight. So, Dane, what would it be, Blaine, what would it be like for you to be able to build a team like they do down there? What would it be like to just go and recruit yourself out of a team of the studs <laughs> in the area and just, just do that? I mean, we don't have that luxury. There's we a couple of it. kids that go across the boundary line a little bit, but they start their freshman year, and, and they do it legally and stuff. What's it even like? I mean, you've coached the old school way for so long. We don't know how they do it down there. I don't know. I know Coach Kirby would really have a problem with it. Yeah. Just because he had to be in control of everything. Um I've slowly tried to get my kids just to go do something like that, you know, go to Belmont or go to Garrett or, or something. Um, it'd be very interesting because, you know, I do my practices and my moves this way, and even though I always tell them there's different variations of everything, it'd be tough because kids would come in and start doing their own thing, and, and I think that would really drive me nuts. With the clinics and the academies and that kind of stuff is what you're talking about, where yeah. they might tra- train and drill a little bit different. Some of that's good. Sometimes you bring it's something new, new into your room. I mean, that's how the old school moves were brought from school to school. I mean, we brought moves from out of the area and come in, and then people said, that's a Belmont move. No, it's not. We got that from so-and-so and yeah. brought that in here. And I think it's also in- interesting to point out that for a lot of these clubs down there, and schools, I should say, sometimes it's not recruiting. It's man, we, we are known as the, the wrestling team from this area, and this kid shows up in my room, 
and I know he's from a different school, but I know he's coming here because he thinks he can get it, get it better. And then what do I do? How do I deal with all these kids who are coming in and they want a spot or their mom and dad think that they deserve a spot or they're coming? I mean, we talk about a little bit like Blaze Garcia left Avon and is now at Brownsburg. Like, I don't know if Coach Snyder actually recruited him or if he just decided, well, hey, I've had enough of this coach. Now I'm going to go over yeah. here. And, you know, we talk about Penn. They've got five or six guys who have moved in, you know. A lot of these parents now, they want their kid to be on a top quality team. They're looking on the rankings when they're moving mm-hmm. uh, to find a new job. Who should I, where should, where should I, I go? Where should I move and go to? And for some of these coaches, they don't really recruit or have a, a chance to, to talk to these kids. They just show up and it's like, okay, now what do I do with this kid you know, how, who's been there? How many times we've talked about Matt Irwin tonight? Matt Irwin was, grew Normal. up, grew up in, a, in a program that had four coaches in five years. And he understood, I am not going to be the quality wrestler I want to do to be here. And he did what I needed to do. It was not widespread like Penn where four kids from a team come across. He did what he needed to do to advance himself to be a three-time state placer. There's certainly a difference in a kid wrestling in your club and living in a neighboring school district and deciding, okay, I'm going to cross that school district line, especially now that the rules have changed. And that's a completely different thing from, from driving through multiple school districts to, to get to, to one school. Yeah. But, you know, all you're going to hear all week heading into these football state finals is Catholic school this and parochial school that and private school that. It's the system that we have. And you can either, you can either get excited about the games that you're going to have and the matchups and, the, and the, the dynamic that it creates – or you can spend your time, you know, sort of complaining how it goes. And, and, you know, wrestling isn't the same dynamic that it used to be. And if you talk to Belmont coaches or people who are familiar, you know, the, the age of Belmont competing for the top spot in all of the state of Indiana, this is not going to happen. You know, Belmont does that more in volleyball than they ever have done it in wrestling. But I'll tell you what, those kids down in Burn, you cut them open, they bleed cheese. They're cheeseheads. <laughs> They've grown up in that system, and that's what they are. I mean, they they're cheeseheads. They have had – and, and, you know, that, that's the way that the, the, the world is now. You know, there are people who live in Bluffton who work in Burn, or they've, they've switched jobs, and they've had a couple of people who have moved back and forth. But that's a totally different monster from what's maybe going around on around in the in the in the donut counties of Marion County in those township schools, and especially what we're seeing with Illinois canceling their season and kids creeping over into Indiana because they're not sure that you know kids who grew up in Indiana who went to Illinois to wrestle in high school now are coming back because Indiana is still going to have a season. Oh, absolutely. You know, if I'm a Chicago kid, I'm going to look. Oh, I'm, they're going to wrestle. I'm going to go to Crown Point. Well, I don't have a spot there. I'm going to go to Chesterton, Merrillville, you know. The region. I mean, Hobart. And the region yeah. will take, you know, because those Absolutely. kids out of Chicago are tough. And as they were saying last night on Guerrilla Radio, how many guys are going to try to wrestle in both? How many guys are going to come to Indiana, wrestle in our state tournament, and then decide, you know what, I'm moving back with Mommy, and I'm going back to Illinois, and then they're going to wrestle in Illinois state tournament. I don't know. We'll see if that actually happens or what's going to happen. You know, like, what's the chances a guy could leave a school for the sectional and come wrestle against somebody else in the sectional? That, that just can't even happen in Indiana, can it? Oh, wait, it did, didn't it? <laughs> it has. That was my shot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before we go off the air, go ahead and uh, tell us a little bit about what you've done because of COVID. Uh, 
you know, we've had other coaches on. Are there extra precautions that you're taking during practice? Do you have kids split up into specific groups or pods? What do you plan to do for hosting a dual meet? Are there any, any steps that you're taking? Um, you know, practice hasn't changed a lot. Um, obviously, they're, you know, they're on the big disinfectant kick, but we've already been doing that for years. Um, we, got the, we got our new school, and our wrestling room is smaller than what we've had in the past. Um, and that first day, we show up with 40, upper 40 kids. We were packed. You know, it was so hard to, and, you know, you had new kids, old kids. I had eight females. So they were all just mingled. I'm like, we're going to get one positive test and knock us out. You know, there's nothing I could do at the time. Now we've had kids quarantined, and you know, I think i got like 10 or 12 of them out right now. I've been able to space out and keep the little kids here, the big kids here. You know, you only wrestle with this kid, this kid. You know, you only get three or four options. Uh, my females are all together now. Um, even though I got two of them still out with, you know, the quarantine. Um, Just yeah. touch on that a little bit, uh, Blaine. I know Belmont's got a couple of girls that have had great success. I mean, where do you see your, your female team going? They're very new. Hmm. Uh, and I know one of them, I think uh, Brandon, I talked to Razzo, he said one of them, yours is hurt. Um, so he'll get to wrestle one, or the other one will get to wrestle one of ours. Um, and she's going to bump up to 32 and then bump her to 38 to get a match. Um, you know, I know yours has a lot more experience than mine. So um, I'm just trying to get a matches. I feel bad, you know, because they're, they're doing everything the guys are. There's and a lot more of those tournaments that people have had, had for them in the past couple of years that really kind of promote that. But they're all canceling. Yeah. So uh, Decatur Central had one. They canceled. Mechanic Wall had one next weekend. Canceled. I can't. I can't go schedule a dual meet unless I want to go wrestle pin four times or whatever. Yep. And you know, I have brand new girls. I don't really want to go to pin yet. Yep. But um, you know, if I can get new, I know New Haven has some. Jay County has some. You know, go get a couple matches there. It's it's going to be tough, and I feel bad for them because you know it's just like the JV level. You want them to you want them to wrestle. And unfortunately, I think girls wrestling is really going to be one of the big victims of this pandemic when it comes to a wrestling standpoint. Is we had made so much progress the last three or four years, and I think this is going to be a great year with increased numbers and an increased number of tournaments. And I'm just not sure that that's the way it's going to fall because everybody is kind of. Uh, retracting themselves into a little shell and saying, okay, we're going to do as little as possible with as little risk as possible and hope that we get to February and we're still able to keep wrestling. And I think some of these girls' tournaments are going to be the first ones to fall victim because, in essence, they have to be tournaments that host 10, 12, 15, 20 teams because you've got you know, two girls from here and three girls from there and you bring them together. And you want them to wrestle against their own girls. Yeah, they want to wrestle against girls because yeah. when they wrestle against guys, it's just not fair. It, Unless different. you're a Boyd and you're yeah. out there just yeah, stumping she guys. She's, you're stomping guys, but she's but she like grew up world, that. world class level. Yeah. I mean, that's different. But, I mean, because we had uh, you know, last year we had a match where um, Andrea Hernandez wrestled, wrestled a young boy and, I mean, they wrestled, and she wrestled pretty tough and they ended up getting caught and getting pinned. She was mad because she knows that she is a, a quality female wrestler and it, it's not it's not equal. It's not. And especially for somebody who's new to the sport, like you said, you had six or seven or eight girls. You know, you, you, you've got you've to maneuver them through the beginning of their career and give them opportunities to fail but not to a demoralizing Correct. spot. 
to where the point where they're going to quit. And at, at this point, you know, Rex, it's not the same as it used to be. You have to kind of coddle some kids through some of this stuff to build up their confidence to get them to stick with it. Because if you can't get them to stick with it for the first three or four weeks or the first one or two seasons, then, then you're going to lose them long term. And that's kind of the way that, that, that it is now. If you have kids that have wrestled two and three years and they're quitting as juniors and seniors, what are you going to do with a first-year wrestler that gets thumped on the first couple of matches? They're not going to stick it out. And they wonder, why am I, why am I doing all this? Yeah. yeah. So, Well, Coach, we uh, thank you, and we uh, look forward to seeing you. I don't want to jinx it yet, but we're 24 hours away. <laughs> if we all cross our fingers. You, you had it down here, podium, podium pickers for Belmont versus Clemson. I'm not going to call that in front of Blaine. Because I Go t- right ahead. I, hey. I, no, I'll tell you what. The team that's going to win is the team that wrestles the best. Oh, and you know that I can't decide that. Your kids decide that. And, I mean, whoever comes out wrestles well, somebody may get up for it, and all of a sudden you get that train rolling and, and it's going to carry over, and you can't predict it. I'm not going to predict it, but I tell you what, it's always a good match. Mm-hmm. And, honestly, to me, all that matters is that it happens and that yeah. we're there and that, that we, we, we put another check mark to another year of of Belmont versus Columbia City, the rivalry of Belmont wrestling. There's going to be a varsity record. You know, if next week Governor Holcomb comes through and says we're done with winter sports, at least we've made it through that one match and we've had that moment where we've got a little Van Halen playing, we've got a little ACDC, Ozzy's done his thing, and Belmont's been out there on the mat, and people have been able to look forward to a match enjoy that hour or two, and then had the chance to talk it over for the next 48 hours. What's a Belmont match started without Crazy Train playing? It just, it's just... Un- Since I've been coming. Yeah. <laughs> and I tell you what, I mean, if you listen to ACSN this morning, you caught a tail end of the interview I had with Grant Mosier, and it was the, our wireless mic was a little staticky, and Grant and I were both crying, so it's kind of hard to understand. But he and I talked all summer long, and he was so afraid that football was going to get canceled. And that's one thing I asked him. I said, you didn't think it was going to make it? He said, I never thought we was going to get here. They're here. They're going to get state championship in. Last year, everything in the fo- on the spring sport just got dropped. If they cancel Indiana boys high school basketball, they'll cancel everything and not bat an eye. Well, yeah. and here's another thing that I think that I've started to think about in the last week. We've spent so much time thinking about what's it going to look like in January, what's it going to look like in February, that I think some teams are going to fall victim to the fact that they haven't thought about what's it going to look like tomorrow. Like, mm-hmm. okay, in the next 24 hours, we've got to stop, stop thinking about what we're going to do as far as December or what we're going to do as far as protocol. And we got to remember that tomorrow's match matters and that there's something to be won. And we don't have to worry about whatever happens in the next six or eight weeks. Who cares? Like, we got to focus on tomorrow. Do we get a crown, a conference champ tomorrow? I don't know. Russell's and we get... Well, I tell you what, I guess that's how it goes. What we saw in football is this the schedule got so jumbled around that records didn't mean crap at the end of the season. Uh-uh. They didn't because... Oh, you didn't play your regular schedule. You played so-and-so because they got picked up. Well, two teams had to cancel, so the other teams took the other team that didn't get canceled. And it's like the, your schedule is all off, so you get to the end of the season, look at records, and go, records don't mean anything. Yeah, and I think that's how it's going to be. Uh, when it comes to seeding, we were talking about the Indiana Matt show you got a tough here. job. You got a tough job. December 20th for Team State, it's going to be interesting because nobody's going to have wrestled their whole team for the whole slate of, of matches. And it's going to, you know, people are going to argue one way or the other, but you try to put them in the best spot that they're going to be. But you don't know. When when we see those teams on December 20th, 
they could have a completely different lineup by the time we get to January 2nd. So I'll tell you what, somebody's got to have an hour and a half drive to get this podcast listened to, but i tell you what, at, at an, an hour and a half, I mean, we could talk all night. I know Blaine's got a long trip home, but uh, we got a short drive home, but i tell you what. <laughs> i got to do it again tomorrow. you got to turn around and come back tomorrow, but i tell you what, you'll do it in a heartbeat, won't you? Yeah, absolutely. To take it from where we were maybe in June or July or even May and to say, okay, I can guarantee you that at the very minimum, Belmont's going to wrestle Columbia City the Tuesday night before Thanksgiving. I'll take it. You know, people are saying wrestling as is an intimate sport as anything. And we've had some big tournaments, you know, not in high school sanctioned, but, you know, the big Super 32 and the big Indiana Matt preseason opener. There was not big, massive cases of COVID transferred in there. So if football had it, I mean, it wasn't from playing games against each other that got it transferred. It was your home life coming and bringing into your team that did it. And that's what we found with schools, too, I think, and that's been discussed a lot in the last couple of weeks. But uh, it's going to take everybody doing their part, and um, we just encourage everybody to, to mask up. And if you want the season to last as long as it, as it can, then uh, take all the precautions that I know your wrestlers are taking, and I know Coach Myers and Coach Gunsett uh, and Coach Farot have all been talking to the Belmont wrestlers about you've got to limit your contact with people. And you've got to take as much precaution as you can to, to make this season go as smoothly as possible. Eat your zinc tablets and build up your immunity and do all, take your <laughs> vitamins. It's really not even – I'm not worried about our wrestlers. It's when they're in class. I just get them yanked out of practice, hey, 14 days, 14 days. I'm, t- I'm telling you, i got 10 or 15 out. Just pull them out of practice. Oh, we saw that with Ike Rubel a couple of weeks ago. He ended up sitting next to somebody who was positive, and he got quarantined for a couple of days. And, you know, Ike, he was just – he was ready He's to get at somebody's yeah. throat because he was ready to wrestle. He was ready to go to practice, and he had done nothing wrong. He had even had his mask on, and he had gotten quarantined. But thankfully now they've kind of loosened the restrictions as far as uh, if you're a mask and the other person is masked, they're not, they're not quarantining people oh, as much lucky. And, well, and contact tracing. Well, my daughter works in school system at uh, Bishop Dwinger, and what they've done is – They've went to like an alternating system. You know, it's two days, three days kind of thing. Uh, there's certain groups of kids that are there certain days, and they've limited the contact. There just are not that many kids together. And so, like, you go to school on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, this week, next week, or Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and next week you go Tuesday, Thursday, and this those kids aren't there. So that contact trace is a lot shorter loop. It's not the seven degrees as Kevin Bacon kind of thing as we're looking at. It's just a smaller group of kids that just are not able to contact with each other and i'm reading through my text now at the end of the show and uh caprino has just texted me saying that lawrence north is going to be shut down for two weeks because they didn't record who was in contact with each other so you know as a coach that's one of the responsibilities that you have is you you've got to keep people uh documented well we appreciate uh steve rouse staying on and uh recording this section for us for the uh podcast we really appreciate uh, coach culp coming down and we'll see him tomorrow night and i'll try and get an interview with you before the match and uh, not that we haven't talked enough tonight but uh so it's good to get him get an interview with you uh, to uh, play before the uh, match and uh, just lead in just make our, our uh, entertainment value at our broadcast us a little bit better i don't know if anybody really wants to listen to me but i enjoy it they did tonight oh, good. <laughs> seven people nice all right thanks a lot everybody for tuning in i uh, hope you enjoyed the podcast